Thank you, guys. Uh, it's great to be here. Uh, feels like being home in many ways. Uh, I've not been here on a Sunday morning in a very long time, and I've missed it. Uh, the first time I can remember uh, coming here was actually probably the fall of 1999. Um, I was a college student. I had a lot more hair in the fall of 1999. Uh, I probably weighed a bit less than I do today. Uh, and a lot's changed here, and a lot's changed in my life. I've doubled in age uh, since the fall of 99. And um, this is a special place. This will always be a special place. Uh, you hear people say when they move away, you can, like I could say, uh, I've moved from northern Kentucky, but you can't get the northern Kentucky out of me. And uh, I'm, we, are, we have moved from Tate's Creek Presbyterian Church, but you're not going to be able to get the Tate's Creek Presbyterian Church out of me. So... Thank you for the last 20 years of uh, faithfully being in my life and for faithfully being in so many other people's lives uh, that are in this room. Um, let's pray and uh, we'll listen from, the word. listen from the word. Father in heaven, thank you that you hear our prayers. Uh, Lord, that there have been prayers prayed uh, <laughs> since the mid-80s uh, from this church that this day would come. And uh, Lord, you have been faithful to this church. Lord, you have... Uh, kept her, and uh, Lord, you are keeping her, and you will uh, continue to keep her moving forward. Oh, Lord, would you uh, bless us uh, with your word. Lord, we are not uh, listening to words that I've written this week. Uh, We are listening uh, to the words that have come from your very mouth. In Christ's name, amen. Let me ask you a question this morning. Uh, Who's had a, a deep and abiding impact in your life Who's that person? Uh, Was it a professor? Was it a teacher? Was it a coach? Uh, Was it a friend? Was it a neighbor? Was it a parent? Was it a parent? Maybe it was another family member. Uh, For me, there have been many. Uh, But one that I really want to talk about this morning is a woman named Ruth Bruce. She's my grandmother. She's she's one of nine kids. She grew up really poor. She grew up in uh, western Kentucky in in a county called Muhlenberg County. Uh, she uh, later got married as a teenager and moved to northern Kentucky, where I'm from. And I had the privilege of growing up really down the street from my grandparents uh, my whole life. Uh, we went to the same church. I saw her every Sunday. And I spent a lot of time at her house. And because we spent so much time together, I had this like, photo album of memories when I think of my grandmother, Ruth Bruce. Uh, I think of playing wiffle ball in the backyard with my brother, uh, with my grandma, who was well into her 70s. And I think she really liked it. Uh, I, I can remember uh, her taking us by her rose bushes and showing us the importance of trimming them back so that more buds would grow. Uh, I can remember her crochet, crocheting in her, uh, in, in her rocker uh, while watching, uh, taking Jeopardy way too seriously. Uh, I can remember sitting about right there where the socks are sitting uh, every Sunday in church. I can remember serving in the nursery Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. But I also remember her sitting in the same rocker uh, where she yelled at Pat Sajak. I also remember her uh, reading her Bible there. I remember her giving me hugs and telling me she loved me. That's my grandmother. And she's had a huge impact on my life. You could Google her right now and you're not going to get one hit. Maybe you would, but it's not her. She didn't have a college education. She didn't have this huge funeral. She didn't have any plaques in her house. Her main job was 
uh, working from home, altering other people's clothes. That was Ruth Bruce. Nothing impressive about her. But she was an extraordinary woman. I think what people like Ruth Bruce do is they make us pause and ask this question. If you're going to have impact in the kingdom of God, what should you be like? What does it require? I mean, that's really what today symbolizes, isn't it? It's about the impact of the kingdom of God that has happened in our midst. And Tate's Creek Presbyterian Church, you have had a tremendous impact on Lexington, on Hope Presbyterian Church, on every member of my family, and on me. And today gives us a moment to reflect on how all this happened. And I think that's what 1 John 4, verses 7 to 12 really point us to. So let's read this together. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not know God, anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. The word of the Lord. Now, we could be here uh, all day talking about these six verses, but what I really want to do uh, in the next few moments is really unpack verse 12. Read it again. Verse 12 that says, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Now, I have three kids, uh, Eden, Audrey, and Brooks. They're nine, seven, and two. And uh, being a father of small children gives you a treasure chest of sermon illustrations. So let me put one out there for you. Uh, This has been several months ago, uh, but our middle daughter, Audrey, um, she asked lots of questions, especially questions about God. I think she might just grow up and be a theologian. And one of the questions that she asked me, she said, "Uh, Daddy, does God have big muscles? And I laughed and I tried to keep it together because I was afraid if I laughed too hard or too long, I, was, I would belittle her uh, genuine question. So I had to pull something together and say something meaningful. And I had to tell Audrey that God does not have big muscles. He does not have a mustache and he does not have a man bun. <laughs> and I could tell uh, that she was disappointed with my answer. It kind of sounds like a buzzkill when you say you can't See God, and she just asks if God had big muscles. And when you read 1 John 4, 12, and the very first phrase says, look at it again, verse 12. It says, no one has ever seen God. And if that's where the verse ended, it was just with that phrase, I would understand the disappointment. But that's not where the verse ends. There are actually two more statements before we hit verse 13. So even though we can't see God with our eyes, God does present us with a way that we can see him. Do you see it in that second phrase? 
He says, if we love one another, God abides in us. So, sure, we we don't experience God visually with our eyeballs, but we do experience him when God's people love one another. Isn't that astounding? So instead of being able to see God with your eyes, he allows us to see him through the love that his people have with one another. And so what John is really saying here is that if you want to see God, then get around some Christians who love one another. It's really an astounding phrase, but the third phrase is the one that really baffled me. Do you see the third one? For his love is perfected in us. Now, the logic of this passage, if you really start back in verse 8, you see that God is love in himself. And then you read verses 9 and 10, and you see that God manifests his love among us by sending his son. And the reason it's so daring is because... God's goal goes further than being love in himself. It goes further than manifesting that love in his son. It's not made complete. It's not perfected until verse 12 when we actually love one another. That's God's goal. So we need to understand something very clearly. We're not just modeling God by loving like him. God is actually loving you when another Christian loves you. See, we're in God and God is in us. I don't know how that works. It's beyond words. It's a mystery. And mysteries like our union with Christ require our imagination. Maybe when you were a kid, you thought monsters lived in your closet. You didn't like being alone. You didn't like being in the dark. And you'd call out from your room, mommy or daddy, grandma or grandpa, there's a monster under my bed. There's a monster in my closet. And your mom or dad came to your room, they opened up the door and they said, it's just your imagination. A lot of times when we use this word imagination, we think of things like fantasy. We think about monsters in closets. But that's not the way I want you to view imagination in this moment. I want you to view imagination as giving you the capacity to image the imperceptible. The capacity to visualize things that are unseen. See, God is unseen. But he's given you and I a way to see him. We can see him and we see him through our imagination and the love that Christians have for their fellow mankind. So this whole idea of being in Christ, in Christ in us, it is going to require your imagination. And it's what one author called an enchanted reality. Enchanted reality. I like that. Because enchanted gets at the mystery of the thing and reality gets at the truth of the thing. See, when I came to TCPC in college... Half my life ago, I was disenchanted with the church. In some way, when I came back to TCPC after seminary, I was once again disenchanted with the church. But TCPC, it was your love that activated my imagination that I might see that there actually was a God who loved me. So I think back on my life 
I think about who shaped me. I can think about a lot of people and I think of my grandma. And I think about you. See, Robert rightly commissioned Hope Presbyterian Church. It makes sense. We're becoming a church today. But what about you, Tate's Creek? Seems a bit odd that I would commission you. You're not going anywhere. The people that were here last week, we're going to be here next week. Nothing's really going to change for you based on what's happened today. Your leadership's going to stay the same. Your doctrine's going to stay the same. But the thing that could slip... The thing that has made this place so special to me, to Jenna, and scores of others in this room is your self-giving love. You helped us see God. Your love literally put us into existence. And so... May your love, this imaging of the unseen God, be true of you for many years in many daughter churches to come. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for our imagination. Thank you that you've given us a way to see you. Thank you that you allowed me to see you through these people. Oh, Lord, would you fill them with your spirit to continue to do this for one another, to do this for our city, uh, that we might see the bluegrass changed by the power of the gospel. We pray this in your name. Amen.